Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Now, the Chorus Radio Network presents The Roy Green Show with Roy Green, keeping you informed and entertained. Now, here's Roy. So I got a rookie on the board now. I got a rookie driving the uh, the bus, flying the plane. Tighten your seatbelts, everybody. Whenever a rookie's on the board, who knows what's going to happen? Good luck, Mike. We're watching. A um, couple of stories we're going to do this hour. We're going to have Paul Levinson join us um, in the next half hour on the story from Hollywood where there's been a lot of reaction to the fact that all of the actors nominated for Oscars are white. And uh, that happened last year as well, so there's been a great deal of negative reaction and I, I don't know folks I, I don't pay that much attention to the Oscars it's an I said it before it's an in-house thing it's it's the movie people uh, paying attention to the movie people trying to outdo each other trying to out glam each other trying to be outsmart each other and then they get up on the stage and they do their thing they take their Oscars away and that's that's it I mean and, and to me actors are just people trying to pre- pretending to be somebody else I don't mean I, I mean I'm not trying to down downgrade them. I just, but it is what it is. Actors are people pretending to be somebody else. So uh, we'll also maybe take a few phone calls and find out if you're upset over this Oscar situation. I'm not. There are other situations where you can get upset about it, but it's movies. Here's a very interesting story and a very relevant story. A Nova Scotia teen sent a naked photograph of herself. She's 15 years old, we're told, to a 15-year-old boy who then emailed the picture to another teenage girl, who then posted the photo online on a chat website. The girl and the boy are criminally charged with possession and distribution of child pornography, while the third girl, as I understand it, or the second girl, the third of the teens, is also charged with publication of child pornography. Joining me are Leah Parsons, Retea Parsons' mom, and uh, she's from Nova Scotia. Um, and, um, Leah, thank you very much for, for taking the time. No, no problem. Thanks for inviting me. And Carol Todd is Amanda's mom. Uh, she joins us from British Columbia. We've spoken many times. We've, of course, spoken with, with, uh, Leah in the past as well. Hi, Carol. Hi. How are you? Uh, great. Good to have you with us. David Butt is a former Crown attorney, now criminal lawyer in Toronto, and he's the legal advisor to Kenza the Kids Internet Safety Alliance. Uh, Dave, just for the benefit of all of us, thank you for taking the time. What's the, what happens? How does a 15-year-old, is this a criminal charge? And if so, how does the 15-year-old get criminally charged? Yes. I'm sorry. Is it a youth offender charge or is it an adult charge? Yeah, it's a little bit complicated, but basically the Youth Criminal Justice Act uh, interacts with the criminal code. So you can lay any charge in the criminal code against a young person, 
and that would include the, the current charges that we're talking about. However, the manner in which the, the charges are processed through the courts is done differently for a youth, and it's done under the Youth Criminal Justice Act. So any youth can be charged with any criminal code offense, and they're just treated a little differently as it goes along because of the Youth Criminal Justice Act. Okay, I think I think I understand. Uh, Leah, um, question for, for Dave? I'm sorry, what? Is there a question that you have for Dave about this, about the charges and about the incident? Uh, no, I totally uh, understand both the Criminal Code and the Youth Defenders Act. Unfortunately, I'm kind of well aware of how that plays out now. <laughs> the reason I asked is, Carol, you had a question for Dave that you wanted answered. I did, because um, according to the news reports, the young people would be charged with a child of um, making and distributing child pornography. And, you know, in the last um, the year, um, Bill C-13 came into effect and, and became a legalized law. So I was a little confused because they kept talking about child pornography and um, C-13 talks about, you know, the making distribution of intimate sexual images. And so how did that play? How does that play into um, youth who are doing those things? Yeah, no, those are great questions, Carolyn. And and, and uh, when Parliament introduced Bill C-13, they put, I'll put it this way, they put another tool in the toolkit of, the, of prosecutors and police. So in this kind of situation, police and prosecutors have a choice in which kind of charge they might go ahead with. They could go ahead with child pornography charges, or they could go ahead with the newer charge under Bill C-13 of non-consensual distribution of intimate images. In this case, it appears from the facts, and it's, it's early days, but it just appears from the facts that this wasn't the case of somebody distributing something without consent. Everybody seemed to be agreeable. So the new Bill C-13 uh, charge would not be the most applicable okay. one, and it would seem to be the most applicable one is the uh, child pornography charge. You can, of course, question, do you need to lay a charge in this situation? I think that's a, a, you know, mm-hmm. a, a question that's open for debate, too. Now, Leah, you feel that, as I understand it, you feel that it's entirely appropriate to, to lay charges in these cases. And I would imagine each time a story such as this makes headlines and people start talking about it, it has to be very difficult for you to uh, to consider these situations. It is very difficult, and I was aware of this uh, case, actually, before uh, it was released. Uh, a family friend had contacted me and let me know about this, and I was pleased that it was handled and they were charged so quickly. Um, in this case, I, I'm pretty sure that the... The original teenager who sent the image, she sent it to one person, but she did not give it permission for that photo to be then sent out in other areas. She sent it to a male who took it upon himself when he was no longer happy with their relationship status to to go forward and send it to other people. And it wasn't her that actually came forward. It was a, a friend in the school that came forward and shared it with the principal and let the principal know that this is what's happening. So um, that gave me hope that another student actually saw it and, and knew that it was not appropriate and that this has to be stopped. Have, have kids, I'll ask all three of you, have, have young people, I don't use the word kids because we start thinking about very young kids, and I suppose they're part of the whole thing, but have, have teens, do teens understand 
what the message has been, largely understand what the message has been, what the what the, what what we're supposed to have learned from the tragic circumstances involving your daughters, Leah and and Carol. Do 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 young people? Is it your sense, Carol, that that young people understand when you when you when you see the comments or you when you talk to them and there's amandatodlegacy.org and rateaparsons.ca do you have a sense carol that they they know what it's about i think when we talk about young people we're sort of generalizing we want we want to imagine that we are talking to all young people but right. when we speak and when we send messages out we're only going to capture a percentage of them and and we can only work at percentages at a time because when you look at drunk driving and and all those other laws that get broken not everybody listens and not everybody understands that there's a horrible consequence at the end of the road and you can't do this but if you do you're going to have to follow through and and you know reap the repercussions at the end um education is one of the the main things that we have to focus on and that's why it's so important that we just continue to work with our governments our ministry of education our ministries of health and and make sure that we put the proper things in school k to k to 12 and beyond right yeah leah you you and carol and uh, i've worked so hard with uh provincial and federal governments on this issue. I'll ask you the same question. Do you, do you are, are you confident that after everything you've gone through, everything your daughter's experienced, everything that's been said, that there is a, a sense among young people in this country that they know what it's about, that they understand the dangers of doing what allegedly took place in this particular case? I think I agree with what Carol said um, just now. We have to continually educate, and also we are dealing with youth who are very impulsive. So we can't just go and speak once. We have to go continually and speak. So if I went to the school that uh, recently had this happen, they wouldn't even have heard of Retea's name because it's junior high. So three years ago, they wouldn't have even been in junior high. I'm sure they didn't read the news at that point. So we have to continually go in and share our stories and explain the dangers, because I think that when you do speak to them um, from your own personal experience, when you have them in front of you and you do a presentation, they do get it and they understand it's not just somebody up here talking about it. It's personal and they mm-hmm. understand that. But at like a junior high level, to me, that's that's really important age to get into is that level. Yeah, and if parents try to talk to their kids, quite often the parents, this is what I've heard time and again, Parents don't know enough about what's going on online to be able to properly advise their kids because parents' knowledge is fairly limited and the kids are, are way beyond them in what's what's happening. I agree. And, and you know what? It's not only parents knowing what their kids are doing online. It's parents understanding how um, our, our young people of today are growing up. They're they're growing up in a very sexualized um, society right now with access to Internet, access to, um, you know, their peers and whatever they're doing out there. And parents need to know and have these discussions with their kids. As I said, over the dinner table, um, over over a dinner without technology and then have their attention because kids will not learn on their own. They need the continued follow-up. And school's a great place as a starting point to have that first discussion, but it needs to be followed up. And where do you follow it up? You follow it up at home. Yeah, I saw this story. We have to take a break, and we'll come back with uh, with uh, Dave Butt and uh, Leah Parsons and Carol Todd. But I saw this story, and I, I just had 
there's such an uncomfortable feeling, and I thought somebody's not getting to the kids. And and when you said, Leah, that that kids who are in the earliest years of high school don't really have any understanding of Retea's story of what happened to your family and to Retea, it it really occurred to me that it's it's so true. You have to constantly reinforce the message. You have to constantly be reminding and and talking to them. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Carol Todd, Amanda's mom, amandatodlegacy.org, and Leah Parsons, Retea's mom, and you go to reteaparsons.ca, and David Butt, criminal lawyer, legal advisor to the Kids Internet Safety Alliance, and uh, we'll do that after this. Big guests, great debate, and your calls. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world He took the midnight train going in You know, families who have uh, lost so much give so much, continue to give so much because they want to make sure, as sure as they can, what that happened to them does not happen to other families in, in this country. And that's why people like Leah Parsons and Carol Todd are so important to keeping kids safe in this, in this country, particularly when it comes to online communication and the things that can happen. And I have such great respect for, for Leah and for Carol. And you can uh, find out more. Go to RetiaParsons.ca and AmandaToddLegacy.org. David Budd with us as well, criminal lawyer, legal advisor to the Kids Internet Safety Alliance. Uh, Dave, when it comes to charging kids for breaking the law, and we just heard Leah and Carol talk about needing to constantly reinforce the message with the kids. How does the law complement that particular effort? Do, Do kids see the law as a as something there to protect them or something there to inconvenience them? You know what I mean? Because I think it was Carol said, they're so impulsive. Yes, yes. Well, I think that uh, the law serves its purpose when uh, those who victimize others are held to account and when the entire community, which is, includes the kids uh, who are engaging in this kind of risky behavior, uh, see that there are very real and very serious consequences. And that's when the legal system does its job best, you know, imposing consequences and letting everyone know that there are real consequences, and hopefully that will influence behavior going forward. But I certainly do agree with uh, uh, both uh, Leah and, and Carol that uh, it's, it's a multi-pronged approach, and you do need the education piece very strongly in place to help prevent these situations in the first place, because the last thing you want to do is wait till somebody's victimized before you respond. Have an opportunity here to talk to parents of kids, and we have we'll have a lot of parents listening, and and kids as well. Maybe with their with their parents. Often happens that they're in a vehicle together. What do they? What do you want to say to them, Carol? What what when you have a captive audience potentially? What what do you want to say to them? What's the most important message? I think it's just opening up the conversation, and and you know what, trust and communication are two of the very the strongest points and features of a family, I believe, because when you have that, you can talk about almost anything. And, and with parents, it's not being judgmental. It's not 
you know, when you hear something about your child and they admit that they're doing something, not getting upset and mad and over the top with them because they'll never tell you again, right? It's helping them to problem solve and helping them to understand what is right and what's wrong, what's real and what's not real and the consequences versus what they do to help it. And not only for themselves, but they need to talk about... um, and they should be able to talk about their friends if, if they see a problem out there and they are stuck at what to do, that they can speak to their parents and say, hey, my friend's going through this and I, I don't know what to do, how to help them. Can you help me? And so those are the kinds of conversations that I would like to see more often between child, children and parents. Leah, what would you say to the parent and the child? They're listening now. They're listening intently to what's being said. What's your message to them? I guess I'd probably say that um, please do not just have a phone and say, here's your phone, without any um, responsibility adding up to what you actually have on the phone. Do you have a phone that's just a number for texting at a certain age, and then you eventually you add some da- data to that when they're when you've had those conversations, because essentially you're, you're handing them a loaded weapon, and you're inviting people into your home, into your child's life with that phone. So without... I don't think a lot of parents realize that you just can't give a phone to a child without instruction and responsibility comes with that phone. And if you're giving it at too young of age to a child, they just don't have the emotional maturity to deal with some of the stuff that is on that phone or that's going to come through that phone. So I think it's really important just to be really wary of how old your child is when you're giving the phone and what exactly you're giving to them on that phone. And Dave, to the same parent and child listening, captive audience, what do you say about the legal consequences of stepping outside the law? What could happen to you? I'd say two things. One, the legal consequences can be profound. Uh, They can be a criminal conviction, possibly jail time, a criminal record that can follow you through your life for a significant period of time. But I would also say that uh, there can be, and this is part of the, the excellent advice that both Karen and Leah have given about talking with your kids, I mean, I want to build compassion and empathy around the use of the phone. I mean, you can profoundly uh, injure people um, by something as seemingly innocent as sending images, but that can have a devastating effect, and and we need kids to understand that, to empathize with the people they they might be victimizing. I I just, uh, we have less than a minute. I I was talking to somebody not long ago, and they have a a child, I think, eight or nine years old, and the child was on the phone, uh, no, working away on the phone, and the mom said, you know, I can't talk to him anymore since he's had the phone. I found that a really troublesome mm-hmm. statement to hear. Can't talk to him anymore since he's had the phone. And I felt like saying, well, you're dropping the ball. Um, you better talk to him. Leah, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate you talking to us and joining us today. Leah, at sorteaparsons.ca. And Carol, as always, thank you. AmandaToddLegacy.org. And Dave, thank you very much. My pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank all you. the best to all of you. Thanks for what you're doing. We'll come back with uh, Paul Levinson and the Oscars story after this.